Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to In The Pink, sponsored by Bose. Stay home, stay healthy, stay connected. Okay, so let's 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 take it forward now to 2012 again, and then obviously after winning the bronze at the Olympics, you then you turn professional what, a year later. Well, yeah. So actually, um, so we want a little bit. So my Olympic, um, me getting to the Olympic Games was a massive ordeal. So I went through a real tough qualifying process where yeah. I was on the cusp of qualifying. I dislocated my right shoulder for the second time in my life at well, that was before years. that was before the Olympics because yeah. I thought yeah, the Olympics so came afterwards no I've done I've been I've been really 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 unfortunate so I did my first one when I was 18 years old I missed 19 I missed the Beijing Olympics because of a dislocated shoulder um, I then got kicked off the Great Britain team because the coach said to me the head director said to me you're no good to me injured so he booted me off the squad right? even though I was the junior world champion Junior Olympic champion, national champion. Um, so I was off the squad. I was working in the bar for two years, pulling pints for a fiver an hour just to have money to pay for physio. I got back on the GB squad two years later, 2010. I had a real good year in 2010 where I went, ended up being the world champion, the world number one, and a cracking year. 2011, 11, Olympic qualifying year. Um, anybody would have said I was going to go to the Europeans, win the gold medal, go to the world, which also the Olympic qualifier, win the gold medal, qualify, go to the Olympic Games, win the gold medal. And in my life would have been the only thing I ever wanted in my life to achieve was Olympic gold medal. I didn't want to turn pro. I didn't, I wasn't fast. For me, the Olympics are everything. I mean, um, as you say, even though it's amateur, even though you couldn't, you know, at that stage, make a, a living out of it. Yeah, like I, I've always wanted to do more than, than, than just be a boxer. Like, and listen, it's hard to say because it didn't happen, but had I went to Olympic Games, won a gold medal, and then there's Don King saying, here, here's 10 million pounds to turn pro. I mean, you're going to be, it's going to be very hard to say no to that. Mm. But I wasn't fussed. Like, I wanted the gold medal. I'm, I'm tingling just talking about it. I wanted to win my gold. So I call it my, I call it my gold medal still, eight years on. It was my gold medal. It should have been mine. Um, I'm not bitter at all, but it should have been my gold medal. And I wasn't fussed about turning pro. I wanted to win the gold medal Olympic Games and then I'm not become an actor or do something else in my life. But I'd have I'd have achieved like the Olympic Games gold medal in London in my own country. My Union Jack going up, my family and friends in the arena it doesn't get better than that. Then that feeling there, that's worth all the money in the world you could earn as a professional boxer to me. So I wasn't fussed about the the razzmatazz and the showbiz. I wanted the, the purity of winning the gold medal. Anyway, so 
in 2011, Olympic qualifying year in the Europeans, my first fight, I, I dislocated my right shoulder and it was hanging on by a thread and, and it was a nightmare. Ended up requiring surgery on it. I turned a, a 10-month rehab process into four months. Um, finally got back to the for the second and final qualifier. I, I overturned a six-point deficit going into the last round to qualify. In the previous four-year Olympic cycle, not one person in elite international boxing had ever turned over a three-point deficit going into the last round. I turned out six points. I qualified. I was finally there after the hardest 18 months of my life from doing my shoulder to finally getting there. I was finally there. And six weeks before the Olympic Games, six weeks, I was up in Sheffield because the GB team, we trained in Sheffield together. It was a Tuesday morning. My sister Joanne called me at 20 past eight in the morning. She went, Anthony, get home now. Um, I said, well, she was crying her eyes out, hyperventilating. She says, get home now. I said, why? She went, mom, she's about to die. Fuck. And basically, my mum had suffered a brain aneurysm, a really bad subarachnoid bleed in the back of her brain, left side. And she was, I jumped in my car, bombed down to lower stuff, uh, went to the hospital, and she was there, strung up. The strongest, most, the strongest person I knew in my life was lying there like a helpless child in a hospital bed on a love support machine. And the doctor said to me that there's nothing more that can be done for her and they're going to turn the machine off. And I had to, and they, I think as a, as a junior doctor, and as a throwaway comment, he said, um, nothing else can be done now. She, he explained the bleed in the back of the brain. The only place that could do anything is Adam Brooks in Cambridge. Well, we've checked there. There's no beds available. But even so, if we sent her there, they couldn't do anything because whatever. And I very politely three times said, please, can you send us to Adam Brooks? And if they say nothing can be done, then we know nothing can be done. And then he said, no. So the fourth time, I kind of lost my rag a little bit. And he's gone off. Could have been for a minute. Could have been for 40. I don't know. He's on a bit of a whirlwind. He's come back and he said to me, he's been on the phone to Adam Brooks, a bed has just opened up. So whether it was there all along or not, I don't know. Whether somebody's died in the last half an hour, I don't know. But a bed is opened up available. Was, was available. And he said to her, please don't expect too much because it's, it's really, really bad. So they blew her to the hospital, Adam Brooks, operated on her straight away, on her brain. And I was there for the next month. And she having surgeries like seemingly every day to keep her alive. And the prognosis was not good at all. I was there for a month. Didn't do a thing. Didn't do a press up. Didn't throw a punch. Didn't go for a jog. And then I went back to Sheffield. My sister said to me, she went, look, mum's going to get better. Uh, she's going to get better. Now, none of us thought she would at this point. And we were told by the doctor she probably, she, she probably wasn't going to. Mum's going to get better. And when she does, she's going to feel awful knowing that you didn't even limit games because of her. So they guilt-tripped me. And I, so I went back to Sheffield. I had one week of training left. I had one sparring session left. And we had a family and friends day. And, of course, all my family were at the hospital. We were home looking after their children. And I was by myself and I was sparring that called Fred Evans, who's a really good boxer. Sparred Fred, the f and my phone was in my pocket because I was my mum's next of kin. So if they called somebody, they called me and I had my phone was always with me. I've thrown a sloppy jab, first punch of friend in the month. He slips out, boom, body shot, and he breaks my rib. And I somehow get through the spa and I'm sitting there and I'm sweating, I'm sweating a lot. I used to sweat a lot when I train. And the sweat's masquerading my tears. So it's crying my eyes out. My eyes are all red. My shoulders are on doing the, 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 the bobbing up and down thing. I had a broken rib. My shoulder was still dislocated. It wasn't better. It would come out again uh, in 
two years later in a fight. My Achilles were buggered. I had, I had four operations on my Achilles the following two years. I could barely walk from here. I could barely walk. My Achilles were so sore. And worst of all, I thought my mum's going to die. I'm never going to see her again. And that was my build-up to Olympic Games. So when I say about, no, I, mean, I joke about being bitter. You know, it's, it's a long time has gone past now. And I'm, I'm not bitter. That's the wrong use of the word. But I went there. I had the hardest draw imaginable. I boxed the first day. The opening ceremonies on a Friday night. I didn't go to it. So I boxed Saturday lunchtime. I boxed the Ukrainian in the next fight with the world champion. I hadn't lost in two years. He had seven fights at the world championships. He knocked out six. Unbelievable. Nobody gave me a chance of beating him. I beat him in the most thrilling fight in the Olympic Games history. Um, the only fight ever to go to a double count back, which has never happened before the Olympics, before or since. Um, I beat the German, and then I lost the Brazilian in a semi-final. And the hard thing, the, what was the hardest thing to take was, the Brazilian was the worst person I fought at the Olympics. The Dominican, Ukrainian, and German had all beaten him that Olympic year. But he beat me because by the time I got to the semi-final... I, was, I had nothing left. Emotionally, my mum's in hospital still. I was sneaking out of the village at night time, going to my car, drive to Cambridge to, to hold her hand for 20 minutes. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, I was just spent. Like physically, emotionally, I was exhausted. And he beat me, not because he was better than me, because, you know, he didn't, he had, he had two easy fights compared to my three hard fights. He trained for the whole, you know, camp for it. I'd been in and out, I'd been out of training for six, for four weeks. It was a nightmare. Um, but so with that being said I mentioned at the top of the conversation like when you go through tough times in life it gives you the opportunity to show yourself and show everyone else just how tough you are and for me my win was my win was even going to London because everything about me wanted to stay with her my mum my family and be a good son to her and a good brother to my sisters but I whipped myself away from that to go and fight um, in, in the Olympic Games. And it had gone from being the biggest, most important thing in my life to something I didn't want to do anymore. So really, really odd. And that's why I say, I mean, 2012 changed me from boy to man because going through, like being like the man of the house and kind of holding the, the family together while still fighting um, in the Olympics and realising the dream for myself. It was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was a tough, tough, tough time. Unbelievable. I mean, you really deserved the fairy tale ending i mean that would have been like the, the, the gold around your neck would have been the stuff of movies but you've got to you've got to step back and take and hopefully you will you write a book and you'll when you retire when you're like you know 70 you might actually say bloody hell to get a medal at my home olympic games was seriously impressive yeah again you must feel anything. like that you must be able to yeah. reflect so for, for years, I, I could not tell you where my medal was. Couldn't tell you. I didn't. I, I was really bitter. I, I was upset and bitter. I'm very honest about this. And, and it's not a good way. And the person who was hurting the most was me. But I was really jealous that Nicola Adams and Luke Campbell and Andy Joshua, they all won gold medals. And I didn't. Because mm. I was as good as them. I was better than them. I went, they didn't go through my, my, my journey. Like, and I, I firmly believe that nobody... Like someone said that was the hardest four Olympic medal ever won uh, by a British athlete. And I, and obviously I went through it, so I know, but take everything into account, not yeah. just the previous six weeks, but the previous six years, getting off the squad, back on the squad, injuries, back, surgery, like, fight, like yeah, just, it was, it was just, it was a tough time, but I really, I couldn't believe it because even though I went through what I went through, 
I always st- I still I still refer to the gold medal as my gold medal. It should have been mine. So yeah, I mean, I, even though I went through what I went through, I still I thought I was gonna get that Hollywood ending. I generally I'd seen enough sports movies and documentaries, read enough books, think that's me on that podium. And I had I had it. I had the tears. I I could tell you I, I'd seen that moment so many times. I could have told you the amount of tears that came out of each eye when the anthem played in the flag went up. I, I saw it so clearly. And the fact it didn't happen, and some Japanese guy was on the middle podium, and not me, who any given day, other than that, I'd have spanked him. Like, you know, it was, just, it was difficult. But I, I was bitter for a while, but ultimately I learned after a while of being bitter and sad and jealous that the only person that affects in life is you. You know, Joshua doesn't, Andy Joshua doesn't care if I'm, if I'm jealous of him. Like, he's living his life, which is great. And, and just to make it clear, like, I was nothing. Luke Campbell was my roommate on the GB squad. I love him to bits. Like, so happy that he won a gold medal. Joshua the same. Nicola the same. First female. I'm a feminist. Black female to win a gold medal. Amazing. I could not be prouder. Joshua had a tough upbringing. Raised in Nigeria. Come over here. So happy for him. He set his life up now. Happy for them. But I wanted it as well. And the fact I wasn't pissed me off. Because I deserved it more than him, in my opinion. But I learned along the way that when you're bitter and angry and jealous, the only person that upsets is you. Yeah. And I had to let it go. And um, well, I'm still- um, I tell you what, it's, it's really honest of you to, to admit all of that. And it takes a big person to say that. What was the turning point? When could you start sort of, because as you say, the jealousy does weigh you down. It's, it's counterproductive for your own progress in life. But when did you kind of have that realization? When did the penny drop that things had to change? Um, I, I knew I just couldn't. I, I knew that it wasn't good for me, but mm. like knowing something and doing something are very different things. Yeah. But people might think, like I said a minute ago, that the Olympic gold, Olympic medal was gold medal was my only was my was my my Mount Olympus. And why did I turn pro? Because what I'd done, I'd wrapped my mum's illness. Because even after Olympic Games, like we thought she was going to die, I came back from Olympic Games, and then I was doing all the other stuff, like which I had to do and going to Buckingham Palace. I'd jump, rather than going to the after parties, I was back in my car driving to Cambridge and I was being there for the next surgery and the next surgery. Mm. You know, and I was one texting my sisters, oh, mum's out of surgery, she's okay. And she's, you know, she's, she squeezed my hand today. Imagine that, you know, uh, mum, you know, I've got a middle of my neck and I should be out there in Buckingham Palace kicking it back with David Beckham at Wimbledon. And I'm in, I'm in Alan Brooks Women Head Trauma Center, texting my sisters, she squeezed my hand today. This is a good thing, you know. It, it, but um, listen, no, it's life. So I turned pro because what I'd done, I'd wrapped the Olympics and my mum's illness together. Like they were as one, and I just emotionally couldn't go through four more years on the Great Britain squad, going to Luxembourg and going to these rubbishy little countries and boxing the high school gyms um, to go through four years of it. And then have all those memories come back. I just, I just couldn't do it. So I, I needed to cut that umbilical cord. I turned, I'm very happy to say my mum survived and she's made an, an amazing recovery and she's still with us today, which I'm so, so proud of. Um, but yeah, so I moved forwards and I, and I turned um, I turned pro and I thought, well, what's now this? And it drove me on. Like the bitterness that I felt in my head, I was only going to go when I win my world title. When I become Britain's greatest ever middleweight boxer, which I was going to become, I was adamant I was going to become that that boxer. Um, that will replace the bitterness that I experience now. 
and then I, I embarked on that journey. Yeah. And however painful the Olympics were, my pro career would go on to become just as painful and, and cruel and, um, and difficult for me to, to experience. Thanks so much for listening to In The Pink. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast you've listened to so far. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Check out our Instagram page at in underscore the underscore pink. And you get all the details there about how you can win some of those Bose noise cancelling headphones. And join the community. We're all talking about the various guests that we've had on the podcast and who we'd like to see and hear in the next few weeks. So thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Stay healthy. Stay home. Stay connected with Bose. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.